we've been for three weeks talking about going fishing. And we started with a sermon about Jesus and John the Baptist declaring that he was the Lamb of God. And two of John the Baptist's disciples, Philip and probably, or Andrew and probably Philip, um, decided to take John at his word and they believed that he was the Lamb of God. And they started following him and Jesus looked back and saw these two strange guys following him and said, what are you doing? And they said, hey, we want to come find out more about you. And he said, well, come to where I'm staying. And we don't have a recording of scripture that says what they talked about, what questions they asked. All we know is this, by the time that they were through spending time with each other, that Andrew goes and gets his big brother Peter and says, you can't believe it, we've found the Messiah. And then Philip goes and tells Nathaniel, he says, we found the one that Moses wrote about, the greatest of all of our prophets, you know, and he wrote about the Messiah and he proclaimed and prophesied about the Messiah. We have found him, come and see. And it turned into the first six disciples, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, and Nathaniel, all because of an invitation. Last week we talked about a woman from the city of Liars and it was Sychar, it was a woman of Samaria and, and uh, uh, Clay and Sarah were able to let us use this well from their house and from their yard and they brought it in and they, they loaded it up here on this stage and that was such a wonderful experience and, and I forgot last week so I'm going to make up for it this week. Not only do I appreciate them bringing the well but I also got the privilege of while we were talking about the well and going to a birthday party that I got to hear that we're going to have another little girl. Her name is Savannah. So would you welcome in advance Savannah? Because Jesus knew nobody goes fishing for a fish called liar except for Jesus. You know, he's just dangling the bait there and saying, hey, you know what? I've come to the city of liars looking for a liar and looking to fish for a liar so I could transform them. And he said, she said, why are you even talking to me? I'm a woman and I'm a Samaritan. And Jesus looks right back at her and says, hey, I, well, I, okay, I won't talk to you. Go get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He says, for the first time, you're telling the truth now. You've had five. And the one you're living with now is not even your husband. She gets an offer, an invitation to drink of living water to where her, thir her soul will never thirst again. And she takes of that water and goes and tells everybody in the town, come see a man who told me everything. Can you imagine an invitation bringing a whole town to the Lord? But that's what happened. And so today we start with a table. Why in the world would we need a table? Because as I mentioned earlier in the service, it is that moment where you finally catch the fish and you want to bring it to a table. A table's not just to chew food. It's for family, friendship, fellowship. There's a whole lot that goes on beyond food. I don't know about your guys' place, but there's a lot that goes on in the Pleasant household. On any given Sunday, when we all get together, there's between 26 and 29 of us in my mom's house. And she's got this long table, and we put more tables on it, and then we put tables in the living room to where everybody is able to experience family and fellowship. And a lot of times you, you can measure where you are in my mom's graces by where you're setting. Because she does crazy stuff like give everybody name tags. Like, mom, we all know our name. 
but it's more to tell you where you're sitting. And normally my dad sits at the end of the table and normally I'm right here in this chair and my brother's in the chair over there. But sometimes we get in trouble and we're not here anymore and our name is over here at the kids' table in the living room. That's when you know, oh, I may have some things to make up for. (laughs) But when we sit down at the table, it's about family and fellowship more as much or more than the food. The food's always good and we enjoy eating fish so there's a lot of times we're able to tell the stories about what's on the table. But more importantly it's about the time that we spend at the table. Because when you get an opportunity to come it's, it, it's, it's an incredible thing to sit there and to enjoy the fellowship. And In Luke chapter 14, Jesus was going to confront uh, uh, the Pharisees and some of the religious of the day about how they were inviting people to dinner. Because it wasn't really community. You ever went to dinner with somebody that had ulterior motives for inviting you? I told this in first service. My wife is going to really get on to me because uh, this is an absolute true story. I've been to Mexico a couple of times on cruise ships and my dream yet to be realized. I have realized it here locally because I get to eat uh, at at, uh, Marcelina's house a lot and, you know, on occasions. And I have had authentic Mexican food, but I've always wanted to eat an authentic Mexican meal in Mexico. And so one time I got really close I got, we found this, I'm not talking about Taco Bell, I'm talking about a real authentic, you know, mom and pop stuff. And, you know, I want to go to a place where I'm not fluent in Spanish, so I want somebody to have to help me with the menu. That's how authentic I want it. I want everything to be in Spanish. I want them, that's the kind of place I have in my mind. And I almost got there and I got right, it was a line, it would say about 20 minutes and I'm waiting in line patiently and my wife and her sister, um, not Regina that's here, but her other sister Tiffany, and me and her husband was standing there keeping our place in line and they go out into this like market area near the restaurant and they come back with this excitement. Like, okay, we're not going to this restaurant, we're going to a resort. I'm like, what? But I'm so close. Yeah, but we're going to a resort. And and we get to use our pools. And we get everything, all the amenities of this resort, all inclusive. They're even giving us free lunch. I said, all right. So I go reluctantly, give up my place in line. And I get to the table. It's a buffet. That already should have been red flags right there. I was really close. Now it's a buffet. And I sit down. And the guy across from me wants to now sell me a timeshare. I found out I was not invited to dinner. I was invited to hear his spill about a timeshare. And so that was not a good experience. And the reason I say that is in Luke chapter 14, Jesus is confronting the religious and saying, you're not inviting people to the table because you want to, you want to broaden the fellowship of your family. You're inviting them because they can do something for you. There's political agendas and social agendas. They can bring something to the table to advance you. So this is a very selfish thing hidden behind a table. And then he starts, and most of the time I don't read out of the message. It's a great paraphrase, not the most, most, not the most accurate translation of the New Testament. But today I thought it was appropriate because of one line. And this is what 
the message says about Jesus telling them about what the kingdom of God and the table he provides. Jesus followed up, yes, there was once a man who threw a great dinner party and invited many and when it was time for dinner, he sent out his servants to, him, to the invited guests saying, come on in, the food's on the table. And they all began to beg off one after another, making excuses. The first said, I bought a piece of property and I need to look it over, send my regrets. Another said, I bought five teams of oxen and I really need to check them out, send my regrets. And yet Another said, I just got married and need to go get home to my wife. And the servant went back and told the master what had happened. He was outraged and told the servants, quickly get out. Uh, this is the reason I chose this text. Quickly get out into the city, streets and alleys. Collect all who look like they need a square meal. I love that part. Everybody that looks like they need a square, square meal, all the misfits, the homeless, the wretched, you can lay your hands on and bring them here. And the servant reported back, Master, I did what you commanded and there is still room. And the master said, then go to the country roads and whoever you find, drag them in. I want my house to be filled. Let's pray. Father, I thank you again for another moment where we get to talk about your word and the authority of your word. And I give you the praise and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said... See, the one thing that you've got to know about this story is that God is the master in the parable. And he has paid for everything. It's his house, his food, his table, his plates, his cups, and he's paid for everything. Touch your neighbor and tell him, Dad's picked up the tab. Man, we're interactive today. This is a new place for us. Yeah, Dad's picked up the tab. And I've got a little personal story to tell about that. We'll move very close, uh, very quickly past that. Uh, my boys have a different understanding than my daughter-in-law's about dad picking up the tab. See, they love when dad picks up the tab. They're accustomed to dad picking up the tab. Because they know if dad didn't have the money or did not want to be generous, he wouldn't have asked us. So they go into a restaurant thinking, dad's got the tab here. So they have no problems looking through the menu. They know that I wouldn't have asked them, so everything on the menu is open to them. Doesn't matter about the price. And they'll look. They'll look for expensive stuff. And not only will they order one of the most expensive things on the menu, then they always talk to the waiter or waitress. Can I substitute this for that and this for that and this for that? And they don't even hesitate. They'll go, yes, for a $2 upcharge. My dad's got the tab. Put it on there. My daughter-in-law's a little. <laughs> my daughter-in-law's a little different. You know, they 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 are a little more hesitant, and especially when they were dating, when they were just girlfriends and not wives at that point, they would most of the time just get a salad. My mom does that to me. She acts like I'm 19 and can't afford a meal, and she'll go and like, oh, David can't afford this. I'll take a salad. I've started ordering for her now. But what they're trying to say is that we want to be respectful for the moment and, and, and we want to be mindful of the cost. But what the boys have come to understand is what goes through my mind every single time they order a salad. They could have gotten so much more. See, I think that sometimes when we come to the table of the Lord and when we acknowledge that He's picking up the tab that it's his house, his chair, his table, his food, his drink. The only thing he wants is he wants me to come empty and leave full. 
And he doesn't matter what we've got to go through to get, get there. He, he will provide everything necessary for me to go from empty to full. And that's what I want to provide for my, my family when we get to go out to eat. Um, because you have to realize you can't earn your way to the table. Not the table of God. Well, Pastor, I'm good. Not good enough. Well, I do good things. Not enough of them. You want to measure your good things versus your bad things? Let's just start this week. You want to take a quick gander at, at who you really are? Just think about all the bad thoughts you thought this week. Like driving, stuff like that, when people cut you off. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you can't get there by earning your way to the table. It says, for by grace have you been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man may boast. See, the only requirement is for you to go from empty to full. And that's where a lot of people, as soon as Jesus takes this analogy and he says, go invite the, 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 the guest that I've got on the guest list. And they go out and they invite and they all of a sudden start giving their excuses. Has anybody ever invited somebody to encounter God and then give you excuses? None of them are ever good. Like these, like the first guy, the, he, the first two are embarrassing. The second, the third guy, you can maybe see a little bit. But the first guy says, hey, I just bought some property. I got to go look at it. It's in the dark, man. The dinner party's at night. What are you going to see out there on your property in the dark? Same thing with the oxen. And I don't know about you, but there was so much opportunity for blessing with the guy that was married. Does anybody remember when you first got married? Was anybody as poor as me when I got married? Say amen. amen. Yeah, me and Michelle, yeah, I've told you, $2.99, Pizza Inn. We couldn't afford the nice fancy place, Pizza Hut. We had to go to Pizza Inn and we had to cut the coupon out. $2.99, Friday night, Pizza Buffet. That was our date. And somebody provided me a meal. See, if I lived in the Bible times and I was invited to that meal, I'd have said, yes, honey, we're going because we're somebody. They wouldn't invite just regular people. We're somebody. Knowing that he had already paid for everything, I'd have said, yeah, come on. We're somebody. But they started making excuses just like the people you invite. Well, pastor, I don't know if I'm ready to become a Christian. I don't want, there's so much stuff I got to give up. Really? What you got to give up? Fun? Okay, let's talk about it. Your fund has produced two DUIs, $10,000 a piece. You've lost three jobs and on your third marriage. We calling that fun? See, I used to be that guy that thought I was giving up fun. And now I've been married 31 years, got my right mind, got peace in my heart. Finally, for the first time in my entire life as an adult, the moment that I got saved, I realized that there was a hole in my soul and a void that couldn't be filled with anything other than Jesus. And I had tried to fill it with friends and all of the other stuff that people try to fill that hole up with. And it just didn't work. If it worked, you could stop after the first bottle, but I had to go from bottle to bottle, drug to drug, people to people, and then all of a sudden still ended up empty and now I felt guilty about what I did. And you want me to give up my guilt and call that giving up fun? No, no, no. I'm telling you right now, my relationship with Jesus has been the greatest adventure of my life. I didn't give up anything. I got it all. But then they go, and it gets a little more personal. They say, well, I can't go to your church because if I went, the roof would fall in. Yeah, because that, what they're trying to tell you is that they've evaluated themselves and they found themselves to be lacking something in character. 
and that they believe that God wouldn't want a person like them. There is nothing further from the truth. He wants you and has invited you to the table. So they make up all of these excuses and then all of a sudden he tells the servant, he says, I want you to go and I want you to go to the people closest to us. Everybody that looks like they need a square meal, all the wretched, all the homeless, all the destitute, everybody that's close, you come into contact. All the criteria is if they look hungry, tell them to come. And this servant goes out there and does exactly what his master says and he comes back. And he tells that master, he says, Master, we've still got room at the table. Now before we get to the ones on the country roads, let's talk about the people closest. Man, none of them should feel like they deserve being there because all of them are coming with some kind of past. All of them are coming with something that should disqualify them. But yet they still get a seat. The only criteria is, are you hungry? You know what? He didn't ask anybody to change. Not one single person. He just said, all you got to look like is hungry. If you're hungry, you come. You sit in my proximity, in my fellowship, and I believe something supernatural will happen. See, I believe that sitting in this chair, sitting next to my dad, I can tell him anything. I think that sitting here, he makes me feel safe. Because maybe I'm struggling with something, and I get to look over at dad and say, hey, dad, man, I'm really struggling. He said, don't worry, I'm here. This isn't about the fish, it's about me and you, D. And so these people are less than qualified to be at the table, but yet they get an invitation. They've all come, and now there's still room, and he tells them, I go, don't just go to the people close, go to the people far away. The people that are way out there. You say, well, Pastor... Does God really want those people? Guess what? I am those people. And so are you. Because the book of Ephesians says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It means that we were all out there on the country roads. You know, all the flaws, all the mess. You know, stuff gets crazy out there in the country. You know, family trees are just straight. That's better than the laugh. There's, there's no limbs. It's just a trunk. I'm a country boy. I love the country. But man, there's some crazy stuff goes on in the country. We're really a far out. You know, we come to the big city and we're like, ooh, wow. Not only were they getting an invitation to the big city, they were getting an invitation to the big city and the big man sitting at his table. Amy, get ready to play me something. And this guy goes out there and tells everybody that he can find. He said, drag them in. Folks, I don't want there to be a chair in either service on Easter. I want us to drag them in if we have to. Seven out of ten say that they would come if they just got invited. All we got to do is mobilize and start putting these invitations that are at the end of this fishing pole sitting in your seats in their hands. And, the, and statistics say that they will come. Drag them in. Do whatever's necessary. Take them to dinner. Why? Pastor, we're bribing them. Bribing to snatch them out of hell. We live that thing seriously around here. That Jude scripture says snatching them out of the fire. 
I'll buy you a hamburger to snatch you out to fire. You come with me. Because there's an invitation for you to sit at the big table with the big man. Because everybody that gets an invitation to the table is an invitation to belong. I'm going to say that again. Everybody that gets to sit, the opportunity and the privilege to sit at the table gets an invitation to belong. None of us deserve to be here, but you're the one that asked me. So I feel welcome because you're the one that invited me. I didn't invite myself. You invited me. I got the invitation to belong. And then the second thing that happens is at the table is where I get the understanding of I get the invitation to believe. Not only do I get the invitation to belong, but now I get the invitation to believe in who you really are. Because you're the one that story, rumor has it that you will accept anybody. And you have the transformational power to transform them into your likeness and in your image. And here I am at the table. And the more I know about your desires and your plans, the more I want to make them mine. But not only do I get the invitation to belong, and no long, no, not only do I get the invitation to become or to believe, but now the third and, and one of the most important... Um, when you say, I, wanna, I want to believe, anybody ever heard of the Apostle Paul? I'm going to preach this thing. i got to get my hat off before I kill somebody with these glasses. Apostle Paul wrote 13 books of the New Testament. There's only 27 in the New Testament. He wrote half of them, let's say. Okay? He is a Pharisee among Pharisees, meaning he went to an Ivy League school. And he knows more about things of church than most people have. He's forgotten more things than most people uh, have ever known. And in Philippians, he says this, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. What he's saying is, is I've got all the training and all the knowledge, but if I have to boil this thing down to one thing or two things, these two things I'll know. I know about the prophets and the poems and, and all of the history of the, the nation of Israel, but if I have to, I'll exchange those for just knowing this. Jesus and Him alone and the enabling power of the Holy Spirit that got Him up from the dead. If I got those two things, because that's when, friend, you get to sit here. Now I'm going to sing a little bit. Uh, it'll probably be off key. But it is here at the table that I get to know who He is and believe in who He says He is and what He can do for me. It is in close proximity that starts changing me into His likeness and in His image. It is here at the table in the moment of intimacy. He says, David, next Tuesday... You're going to feel like you're surrounded. But just remember, I'm surrounding you. That's why you say, Pastor, you were acting like you were pacing. Man, I wasn't pacing, I was praising. I was remembering that every time that I thought that I was surrounded and something was going to come in and crush me, something stopped it. It is Him that says, I've surrounded you every moment of your life from the time you were conceived to the time you stand on this platform. I have been with you, have never forsaken you, never left you. I have been sitting at the table the whole time. And I'm God enough to back it up. And then thirdly, not only do you get the invitation to believe, but you get the invitation to become. Because the Father is transformational. There's a new, uh, I think, insurance commercial now. It says, we can't help the, the fact that you're turning into your parents, but we can help you with the cost of your insurance. You don't know how many times my wife has said, you just said that, just like your dad said it. There's nothing more honorable 
than to sit here as a sinner and start walking through the process of transformation until somebody says, you know what, you're looking more and more like Jesus every day. More and more like Him. And all you've done is sit at the table. I'm going to sum it up with these three, with this statement. Let's put it simple. We come to the table to belong. We learn at the table to believe. And we stay at the table to become. Did you notice the servant? Did you notice in the parable that the master didn't invite not one single person to the table? He empowered his servant to do it. He said, go, go get to the invited guests. No, they're not coming. They made excuses. Well, then go to the people closest. Oh, they're coming, but there's not enough of them to fill the table. Okay, then go to the country roads and invite them. You know what? The master never invited anything. He gave the privilege to a servant. You know who the servants are? Me and you. You know what the privilege is? Is to go tell everybody we can over the next two weeks. Hey, I know you don't feel like you deserve to sit at the table of the king. I didn't either. But you know what? He's the king and he invited you. And he sent me on his behalf to tell you, you not only are qualified, but you're invited. You're his guest. Come to the table. Because once I got to the table, things started happening. And I get the privilege to say, Pastor, what's it cost me? Do I have to give an offering? No, Dad paid for it all. Dad did picked up the tab. It's his table, his chairs, his glasses, his plates, his food, and he's invited you to come. Don't worry about bringing a thing but you. Come sit at the table. That's all you got to do. You say, well, Pastor, some of my friends are rough. Some of my friends have, have uh, uh, rough edges, and they, they say bad words. Well, you get them at the table. It'll be okay. Let them say a few bad words even at the table because his transformational power is supernatural. If you're here today and you don't think you deserve to sit at the table with God Izzy's just sitting to make a fish and chips they made the best fish in the house because of the purpose it had and the people that would hear the chef went out of the way. He even, I mean, nobody's probably going to, well, I am going to eat this probably. But, you know, he gave us tartar sauce and all the sauces and everything. You can sit at the table of the Lord.